Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Get your Bibles out. You ready for the word? All right, Mark 1, we kicked off a series last week called Forward. I had that, God impressed this on my heart towards the end of the year, and so I felt this was the time. And we're looking at this idea of positioning ourselves, not just positioning, but now starting forward motion. We talked about the positioning, if you will, at the first series in January. Now we're forward motion. We need to be moving. God is moving all the time. We got to move with them. The challenge is, because I believe we all want to move with God, The challenge is that we have a past. We have things that are weighing us down, holding us down. It's hard to find the freedom of forward movement if we have things that we're constantly living in the past or things that we haven't dealt with yet. And we need the freedom to move forward. And God's provided all that. He's made a way for that. So we want to encourage you in that during the course of this series. So please get plugged in and make sure you're a part of it because we all need it. The reality is we all have things in our lives. We all have issues that we need the grace of God. We need the touch of Jesus, if you will, to move forward in. Let's start here in Mark 1, 40 through 45. It says this, now a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left and he was cleansed. And he strictly, I love this, he strictly, sternly, strongly warned him, Jesus did, and sent him away at once. Well, what did he warn him? Well, he said this, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your, and, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded. We'll look at the Levitical law, if you will, for a moment, as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. He didn't listen to Jesus, and Jesus gave him a stern warning. But wouldn't you? Who could blame him? He just got healed. How can you keep that to yourself? And so he spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. I want to speak to you today about the distance that can be in our relationship with Jesus. In fact, I called the message today, Closing the Gap. You may not think that there is a gap, but there are things in our life that put a distance between us, but we get so used or so common to those things that sometimes we don't see it. We don't realize that there is a gap there. We need to close a different distance. We need to move forward. There are things in our life, our past, that can create distance in our relationship with God and with others, and because of those things that we all have, I'm thankful for what we call grace. Grace was given by God to us. It wasn't deserved, but because of his great love, he made a way that we can close the gap. We can walk through our struggles, our issues, and we see an example of it right here. Now, it says, when it starts in verse 40, it says, a man with leprosy. And really, that's all we get. I mean, if you, if you look through the scriptures, and, and if you're looking in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, typically you can find most stories in the other gospels and get a little bit more context. You can, you can flesh it out a little bit, a little bit more background, but we don't get anything about this man other than he had leprosy. In fact, you can study it all out and look. It doesn't even mention his name, which I think is interesting because this is one of the first miracles recorded in the book of Mark. And yet we don't have, we don't know where he comes from. We don't know how long he's had this issue. Uh, we don't know if he had family. Uh, we, we don't know anything about him other than this man had leprosy. It's all it says, he had leprosy. We're not even told his name, but we are told about his condition. His condition, as we said, is leprosy. His issue is leprosy. Sometimes your identity can be consumed by your condition. Sometimes your identity can be consumed by your issues. You can be more known, not for who you are, but what's happened in your life. 
the way people look at you and even the way you look at yourself. In fact, if it goes on long enough, you'll lose sight of who you really are or who God made you to be, and you'll identify more with the issue than with your divine design or purpose that God has given you. And so too many times it's easy for us to take on and, and, and we'll allow that identity to consume uh, our identity to be consumed by our condition or by our issues. And the truth is we have issues. All of us have issues. And if we have them long enough, we can even no longer know our own name, if you will, or have our own real sense of identity. Our issues can go on long enough that it can consume our identity. Now, all of us can find ourselves here because all of us have issues. Now, your issue may change from time to time, but it still, as it changes, it still affects your identity. But isn't it good to know, even though our identity changes from time to time because of our issue changes from time to time, isn't it good to know the one whose identity never changes and his identity consumes our conditions? Conditions do not consume his identity, and that is God. In fact, Moses called him when he had a discussion with him. God said, I am, and Moses is like, like prompting him. <laughs> Right, it's a good start. You are what? And basically what God was saying without saying is that I am whatever you need, whatever your condition is. My identity consumes your condition. The condition will never consume his identity. Isn't it good to know that you have a God like that? And in fact, God says, I am what you will need before you even get there. <laughs> I am the answer to your issue, your issue before you even have it. I love it. The good news is we serve the one who doesn't have issues, therefore... He is the only one whose identity consumes issues. I love that about him because I think we all have those issues and we need to remember that. So we know this man's issue, but not his name. His identity has been completely consumed by his issue. Now I know I'm kind of hammering this point, but there's a reason I've camped out here because I wonder, has it ever happened to you? Because I'll just be quite honest with you, I can think back, there's times where I've allowed my issue to consume my identity. I've, I've given too much place to it, but I wonder, has it happened to you? Have you ever let your issue consume your identity? Because the truth is, one of the greatest temptations in our life is to over-identify either with our gifts, we all of a sudden are seeking and wanting and liking the approval of man because of our performance, or we can over-identify with our issue and allow our issue to consume our identity. A man with leprosy whose name has been consumed by his disease for which there's no cure and he's been pushed outside. Let's take a look. What does it mean to be somebody? And it's interesting, a man with leprosy, that's all we get, but there's this, he's making a powerful statement here. But let's take a look and says, see what it means to be consumed with this leprosy. What does that mean for someone? Leviticus 13, the Levitical law. We, let me just say, you probably have a hard time finding this because this isn't where we do or usually our daily devotional, right? I'm gonna get a good encouraging word from the Lord. Well, don't go to Leviticus, okay? I'm just telling you. Got some great stuff in there. All right, so verse 45 says, anyone with such, as talking about leprosy, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Well, how long you gotta do that? Great question. As long as you have the disease, they remain unclean. Listen to this. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. They must live alone outside the camp. The greatest pain, perhaps, from this particular issue is not physical, it is emotional. Think about the separation. The separation from people, the separation from loved ones, the separation from having any kind of relationship. The pain really in this issue is isolation. So now we understand the significance of the phrase, a man with leprosy. It wasn't just speaking to a physical thing, but that's what kept him from having intimacy, relationship with anybody else. We may not know his name, 
But we know his issue, and his issue has a name. Let me encourage you for a minute. And there is a name above every name, right? Amen. It is the name above every name. If you can name the issue, I know a name above it. A name that every knee has to bow to it. And the one bearing the name above all names is standing right in front of the man whose name we do not know, but the name of the issue we do. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess there is no greater name. Amen. So this man came to Jesus, but he did it all wrong. He broke every religious rule or law about it. He did not identify his issue. He did not shout out, unclean, unclean. He did not keep an appropriate distance. He violated everything. When you have leprosy, you have to stay back. He can't approach anyone, anybody. He can't approach anyone. Uh, let, let, me, let me illustrate this way. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, Tim Duncan, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, David Robinson. Hey, I love the Spurs. What can I say? All right. 50. So, Reading a lot of different information and stuff, there's a lot of different ideas on the distance that someone with leprosy has to maintain. A lot of people even said rabbis would set the distance of 100 paces, but that put me right in front of the men's restroom, and actually right now it wouldn't be a bad idea, but uh, the, <laughs> the 50 is kind of the, the norm. I saw. 50 paces, can you imagine living your life, after living your life separated, isolated, this far from people? And you can understand then why this man had so much emotion and more than just a physical thing. And so he had been separated, isolated. This is a place of not being able to connect. And so even back in that day when you had uh, leprosy, they did make a way that you could come and be in a gathering. They, they had like a church, like the synagogue. In fact, some churches created a place, a room, a separate room in the synagogue that had a curtain. So they would have you in a separate room. You would come, and if you had that issue, they'd put you in a separate room divided by a curtain. And aren't you glad today that we don't seat you based on issues? <laughs> Except if you're late, if that's your issue, then we put you in the back. Okay, it's just the way it is. That's your issue. But can you imagine how big some sections would be and possibly how small? If you came in separate cars, we might seat you in the angry section. <laughs> if you came in a, you know, a different one, we might have all the Kleenexes over there, whatever that looks like, but we don't seat that way. But nonetheless, in the synagogue, that they separated him, people that have leprosy, because that was an issue. And it wasn't that they were mean, they weren't trying to be mean to him, because it wasn't his fault. It was that they were trying to protect other people, but in the process, really, you can imagine that maybe the hurt and the rejection on somebody dealing with that. And so, again, they created these opportunities for them to come, and they would put them in a room that had the uh, curtain in, in front of it. And so... I have a curtain right here, and I, I want to just illustrate this way. So leprosy, we may not come to church with outward spots, but I would bet that a lot of us would have some inward spots, some things that nobody knows. And so as this man, back in that day, would be separated by a curtain, he'd be relegated to be back here. I don't think it's unlike us today. And the problem with our secret spots on the inside is that we can be in church and be behind a curtain or a screen. And so the curtain we put up or the screen keeps others from seeing you for who you really are, but it also keeps you from seeing God for who he really is. 
You see, we really don't let the presence of God touch us when we put ourselves behind a curtain. See, we push down our feelings and emotions in order that we put up a screen or to hide behind, and the screen keeps us from being seen for who we really are. Guilt and shame keeps us behind a screen. And so we learn to hide behind a screen because if I stay behind a screen, they cannot see me for who I am if I stay behind a screen, so we stay behind screens. We stay behind screens. And so we've learned, and the devil has helped us stay behind screens. And in today, think of how many screens we hide behind. Because we don't let anybody in because of our issues. We don't want people to see us for who we really are. And so we go on social media and we create, create personas that aren't really who we are. We don't want anybody to see. But can I tell you, there's never going to be intimacy without proximity until you come out from behind that screen. So we have to learn to come out from behind the curtain, have to learn to come out from behind that screen to be seen what God has. And so we, we create those times, we, we create those places in there. And so the man violated the law, the law that was meant to protect other people. But he heard there was a man who had cast out demons. He heard there was a man who healed some people. And he figured if Jesus can deal with demons, if Jesus can heal some people, then maybe he's got something for me and my issue. And just let me say this, if Jesus has healed one for somebody, he's gonna heal everything for everybody. Be encouraged today, if he ever did it for anyone, he will do it for you, amen? And so the man decided, he had a decision to make at great risk. What is he gonna do? He can't live this way because it's not really living. Not really living when you're hiding behind a curtain. What life is that? In fact, it's almost like you're dead already. You're just breathing. And so we can come and we can hide and we can come in a service and we can hide and we could uh, try not let anybody in. But at some point in time, if you ever want to be free from that, you have to come out from behind the curtain. And I can imagine the very first step he took must have been hard because let me remind you of what it says in Leviticus. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt uh, and cover the lower part of the face Shout, unclean, unclean. As long as they have this disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. That they violated that they were at great risk for their own life. So you can imagine the man with Jesus 50 paces away and all that he had heard, and he had a decision to make. And he's like, what am I gonna do then? So you can imagine, that first step has to be the hardest. That first step to, to getting freedom from your issue. That first step to raising your hand in worship. That first step to raising your hand to receive Christ. Sometimes the first step of getting up out of bed on a Sunday morning. The first step of sitting down with somebody and letting them in your life, that first step had to be the hardest. I could die for this. My life's at great risk. Maybe then he's taken 48, 47, 46, 45, 44. No one stopped me yet. Is anybody watching? I wonder because I could be killed because the unclean cannot come and touch the clean. The unclean cannot be there. It's my, my death could come. But if he stayed away, He's already dead. Is it, would, it be, would it be better to die trying to have life again than living half dead? I'd rather die trying to live than being dead already. Nobody has stopped me. And here's my question. Where was Peter? Because according to the law, they shouldn't have allowed, that man should never have been allowed by Jesus. We're the people that are supposed to protect Jesus because if the unclean touches the clean, then his ministry is over right when it's first getting done, started. I have no idea what number of mama go with me. 35. 36, right? Desperate. 
And maybe he thinks that if if Jesus touches him, if I just touch this guy, if what they say about him is true, maybe I can hold my daughter again. If what they say about this man is true, maybe I can have a life, maybe I can have a wife, maybe I can have a relationship. If what they say about this man is true, maybe I don't have to live life alone, rejected on the outskirts of seeing everybody else live life and me on the outside looking in. So desperate. Am I gonna do this? Maybe I should turn back. I don't know. Maybe I should turn back. Maybe this is a bad idea. What are people going to think? No, I'm as closer. I'm closer now to there than I was back there. I may never get this chance again. In fact, he's right there. I may never be around again to see that he's right there. I'm so close. Keeps moving forward one step at a time, one step at a time. What are they going to say? What am I going to say? What if he rejects me? What if he moves away like everybody else? What if... What if when he sees me, he just despises me and just can't stand or he's afraid? What am I going to do? But it's right there. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I'm here. I'm here, Lord. I'm here in front of you, and I shouldn't be here, but I'm here. And I know that I'm unclean and you're clean, and I know that they can put me to death, but I wasn't living anyways. I know on the outside I'm defiled. I know on the outside, but on the inside my heart is clean. You know my heart. I don't want to be this way, but I'm here. And I've heard that you can heal people, so I'm here. And I just want to have life again. I'm here. I want to feel again. I'm here. I know that you're the holy son of God, and I'm unholy, and we shouldn't be in the same place, but I'm here. I'm here. You can put Mark 40 up again. See, it wasn't, but it wasn't the 50 steps. It wasn't the 50 steps that healed this man. We can put that Mark 1, 40 up again. It wasn't the 50 steps. What it says here, Mark 1, verse 40. <laughs> what it says is he went in front of Jesus. It wasn't the 50 steps that healed him, is what it says, is that he fell at his knees. And he said, if you will, cleanse me. See, we have people come to church every week that don't find their healing, but it's not this that gets you healed, it's this. Humbling yourself before a holy God and crying out to him with your infirmity, with your issues, and humbling yourself before a holy God and say, I don't deserve it, but will you? Humbling yourself before a holy God that loves you and saying, I know that I'm unlovely, I know I'm unaccepted, but will you love me and will you accept me? See, it's this posture. It's the 51st step that got that man healed. Coming before God from a place of humility perhaps a place of desperation. I no longer want to be identified with my issue because I'm not really living. I want to live again. And see, here's the thing. When people have leprosy, if you study it out, then one of the first symptoms is they become numb. And some of us, some of us have had our issues for so long. We've become numb to the love of God. We've become numb to other people. We don't even know what it's like to be loved and accepted anymore because our issue has consumed our identity. And we've come numb to a point to say, I don't think it can ever even happen. I don't think I can be loved again. I don't think I can be accepted again. It doesn't matter. And we've bought into a lie because he's here. 
He's here. You have to move forward. You have to move forward. You know, this man was pretty amazing, but I love the response of Jesus because Jesus did something amazing. See, he did something that grace does. It's not earned or deserved, but it's grace. God gives it. He did something dangerous, if you will, because grace can be dangerous. He did something scandalous, if you will, because grace can be scandalous. He did something amazing. He touched the man. He touched him. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did he do that? Because the law said, the Levitical law said, if the unclean touches the clean, then the clean becomes unclean. But Jesus wasn't ashamed of the man's issue. Jesus wasn't afraid of the man's issue. And the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And the Bible says that which was perfect came so that which is imperfect in part will leave. And so when Jesus, the spotless, sinless, perfect lamb of God was standing there, it wasn't that the unclean would make the clean unclean. It was that the perfectly clean Jesus, the spotless, sinless lamb of God, would make the unclean clean again. So he reached out. He reached out and touched him. Wasn't ashamed of him, wasn't afraid of him. He reached out. But the man said, I just need to get close. I need to close the gap. I just need to move forward. I just need to touch Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what they've said about you. He is willing, are you? And that really is the question because if you're willing, see here, we don't have a problem believing God is great, but do you believe God is good? We believe God's great. The the universe speaks to that. Creation speaks to the greatness of God, but do you believe he's good and that he loves you? And that yes, he's willing. See, we hear a lot about God. I am the healer. I am the deliverer. But we need to hear that he is willing as well. I love verse 41 in the NIV. We read it in the New King James Version. If you'll put that up there. There we go. See, in the New King James Version, it says Jesus was moved with compassion. But in the NIV translation, it says he was, Jesus was indignant. He was moved with compassion or he was indignant. Well, which one is it? Is it compassion or indignant? And I say yes. Because I love that they both have a translation, different translation. I don't think the word compassion really encompasses it because it's a strong word. In the Greek, it's a strong word. And so Jesus saw the man and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with great love on the man because he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He has compassion. But yet Jesus was indignant, but not at the man. He was indignant on the thing that kept him separated from the man. See, he loves you. He has compassion for you, but he does not like the thing that separates you from him. See, just Jesus is a man of compassion, of great love, and then he is a man of power that does not want there to be any separation, any curtains between us. Whatever the issue is, Jesus is indignant with that and wants it gone out of your life. But will you just move forward? Will you close the gap? I love that picture, and we can finish this up. Verse 43 through 45 says this. Jesus sent him away at once. Immediately a man was healed and cleansed, and Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. I love that. And he says, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commands for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Listen to this next verse. Instead, he went out, he went, uh, out and began talking freely and spreading the news. I love that. How could you not? How could you not when you have been carrying an issue for so long and then all of a sudden Jesus full of compassion and power, you have a touch from him and you're set free. How could you not go tell people about the man who touched me? What happened to you? I don't know, but this man, Jesus, who touched me. 
What changed your life? Did that church change your life? No, that church didn't change my life. Jesus changed my life. Did that pastor change your life? No, that pastor didn't. Jesus did. Who touched you? Jesus touched you. Don't just come to church with me. Come meet a man who touches people and with compassion and power and removes their issues from their life. But listen, listen, it gets better. This is no longer could he enter openly a town, but stayed. And listen, it stayed outside in lonely places. Do you remember what we read in Leviticus? It said somebody with leprosy had to live alone outside the camp. And Jesus didn't come just to heal his issue. He came to take his place. He didn't come just to heal you from whatever issues you have. He came to take your place. He came to put himself in your place so you wouldn't have to carry that and walk that out. He came to take your rejection. He came to take your sin upon himself and put you in his place of honor and love. He didn't come just to heal you. He didn't come just to deliver you. He came to take your place. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I, and now we are made righteous because of that before God. So here's the gospel story. That Jesus, full of compassion and power, loved us so much he wasn't afraid or ashamed of our issues that he didn't come just to deliver us or free us or heal us from those things. He came to take our place. I love that. I, I, I just imagine, man, I, I can't imagine that man living a life this way and all of a sudden he's front of, in front of Jesus and he's saying there, he's saying there and Jesus didn't walk away, he didn't turn away from me, he didn't reject him and Jesus is there probably with this big smile, this welcoming feeling and what the man must be thinking, I can only think the man was standing there and to think, I've never known a love like this before. And what he must have thought, because he was untouchable and Jesus reached out and touched him and he must have thought, I've never felt a touch like this before. I've never known a love like this before. What can I do but fall in love with you? Come on, sing, sing with me, church. Let's let it be our anthem. Come on, let's pour our heart, heart out to Jesus who's before us. Let's get out from behind those curtains. Get out from behind those screens. Let's close the gap. Close the gap. Move forward to Him. What can I That's our heart cry. Come out from behind the screen. Come out from behind the curtain. Take those steps. They're hard steps, but take those steps. It's worth it. There's nothing like his love, his compassion, and his power. There's nothing like a touch from Jesus. You know what? He loves you. I don't know what your issues are. I have my own. But I know the answer. I don't know what name you would give him, but I know a name greater. I know a name by which every other name has to bow, submit, surrender. I just know that you got to close the gap. 
You got to push through. You got to take those 50 steps. You got to, no matter what, don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let things get in your way. You keep going forward because listen, living a life free is better than not living at all. It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. He's such a good, faithful God. He's got compassion and power. And he doesn't want to just heal you. He wants to take your place. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.